If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She served me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Not everything has a happy ending. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday today, so you will have a happy ending, though. No, that... Stop, everybody, with the Swalwell jokes now. I understand how immature you are. That's enough. 
877-377-4373 is the number. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Again, you can email in your questions today. We have to talk about handling leftism at work. You have questions about that. What's right? What's wrong? What should you do? I have to answer a heavy-duty question about attaining ultimate power in the ancient world and how I would go about it, which we all know I would do. And if that wasn't heavy enough, the proper way to eat mac and cheese. But first, I'm going to attempt to keep this relatively brief. I've decided on Fridays I'm going to attempt to shorten up the history story just a bit. Don't worry, I'm not abandoning it at all. Would not do that to you, but I'm going to try to shrink it a touch. Mainly because you have so many questions and we have so many other things going on. There's just not enough room in the show on Friday. I am considering considering some sort of separate podcast thing on Fridays of some kind, but I'm not sure I have enough time for that. (laughs) Guess we'll have to see how annoying the kids get. Let's go to Japan, though. Actually, more specifically, let's go to Singapore, 1943. Let's do a little setup on this for the new listeners, of which I know we have many. Should be noted, I have been permanently, as I announced the other day, the show has been permanently picked up by the great WRKO in Boston, which is one of one of the gigantic radio stations in the United States of America. Unsurprising, though, Chris, it is really what it is unsurprising when you think about the greatness. No, in all seriousness, it's really cool. But for all these new listeners, we seem to be piling up pre-World War II Japan. It was an interesting place. Japan remains an interesting place. Japan was extremely backwards for a long time when it comes to technology. That actually, you know, I'm more than happy to insult people and cultures and whatnot. That was not an insult. They just did not want to advance. A very insular nation forever wanted to stay in the old ways. Japan got a brutal wake-up call when they looked around at other countries being colonized when they started to see how inferior their technology was in Japan, to their credit, it can be done, said, "Uh, I don't think I want to be colonized. In fact, I think I'm going to commit myself right now to advancing in every possible way so I can't be colonized. This is all pre-World War War II, by the way. In fact, this is pre-World War I. This is old. And they did something that was called the Meiji Restoration or made G restoration, depending on who you're listening to. And that was simply a nationwide commitment. In my opinion, had Japan not committed so many war crimes during World War II, the Meiji Restoration would be more celebrated in the history of the world. I I find it fascinating. Rarely, rarely do you find an entire nation that can change course. And they did. Nope. 
In fact, we're going to send people all over the world. We're going to find out every country, the best way they do everything, and we're going to bring that knowledge back, and we're going to do it here. These guys do factories well. Go there. We're sending some guys there. Learn how to do factories. Oh, hey, they're, they're good at weapons. Let's go there. And they did, and they advanced rapidly. Only how often do we talk about power on this show? We've talked about it endlessly during the coronavirus lockdown insanity, right? And what, what have I told you? When are the lockdowns going to end? Not when Joe Biden gets elected. Not when there's a vaccine. Not after 15 days to slow the spread or 215 days to slow, slow the spread. The lockdowns will end when you decide you're not going to comply anymore. Why? Mayors and governors don't give back power. It's not in the nature of man to give back power. It's the nature of man to use power. The Japanese advanced so quickly and so well, technologically and militarily, they start looking around and thinking, I think I want some colonies of my own. Forget about being colonized. That ship has sailed. Hey, China. How you doing over there? China begins, ex- or Japan begins expanding itself, flexing its muscle out there. Slapping people around. We, the United States of America and Great Britain, are very, very, very displeased with this turn of events because Japan is over there being really militaristic for our taste and jumping in with people we trade with. We're not enjoying this situation. We start giving Japan some threats. Stop, go home, stop, go home. Japan, by this point in time, cannot possibly go home. They'll either have to take over all of China or stay or, or retreat completely. Neither are acceptable. So we cut them off. No more steel for you, Japan. No more oil for you. No more rubber. No more this, no more that, because we provided Japan with, like, all their resources. They don't have natural resources there. The country sucks for it. Japan comes up with a plan. That plan was to simply fortify a gigantic ring of islands around itself, gobble up all the natural resources, get us at Pearl Harbor, get us at Pearl Harbor. That was not intended to knock out our Pacific fleet, by the way. That's something people read completely wrong. It was intended to hurt our Pacific fleet so badly That by the time we were able to get it going again and get across the ocean, they would already have been too dug in in the islands. And they didn't think, uh, Japan just, they did not understand the the American mentality at that time. That there was no way we were going to ever let somebody sucker punch us and get away with it. They thought we would get over there. They knew we would come. Absolutely. That's people thinking they were trying to eliminate us. They were not. They absolutely knew we would come. Their plan was to dig in and just weather the storm. And that our losses would be so bad trying to get them off those islands that America would quit and we'd turn around and go home. Like I said, they did not understand our mentality back then. There there was no chance of that ever happening. But we're not in 1941. We're in 1943. And this is a period of time where, yes, you can make an argument the tide had turned in other parts of the war and even other parts of the Pacific. But by 1943... Japan is still really, really, really calling the shots in Asia. Japan is leading this war, winning this war at this point. 
they have fortified those islands. Remember this, Pearl Harbor, remember we just got past Pearl Harbor? Pearl Harbor is a huge day to you and I because that's a day it applies to us. There were tons of Pearl Harbors in the Pacific. Japan attacked everyone in about 24, 48-hour span on December 7th so they could make sure it was all a surprise. A lot of people had Pearl Harbors that day where the Japanese just showed up and started taking over everything. It was really smart. I mean, honestly, it was really well done. It was very well done. And you can make fun of them all you want for Pearl Harbor or say that was stupid. They viewed that as being their only chance to stop us. They did not think it was going to work. They thought it was the only shot they had. All right, that's the setup to 1943. The proper way to eat mac and cheese and handling yourself at work with leftists. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Natural medicines, holistic healing approaches, these things, they're known to help. They're known to help things like anxiety. You have any of that? You have any of that? I see my emails. I know you do. Sleeplessness, joint pain. And, and that's why I've chosen CBD. I want natural medicines. I, I, I believe we all should, but everybody makes their own choices. But how can, I make, how can I make the call on which CBD to choose from? I just got out of a gas station right before the show. They were selling CBD right by the switchblades. How do you trust that? Well, doctors trusted CBD. They're the experts. They went and researched the entire industry, and they only sell the best on their website. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 5% off and a free lip balm through the holidays. If I were an all-powerful or wanted to be an all-powerful king in the past, how would I attain that power? My answer may surprise you here in a few. What, Chris? I'm giving an abbreviated... Is it abridged or abbreviated, Chris? I went to community college. Both of them work? See, that's the thing. I'm so versatile. I know so many words that, that I know words. Sorry, 1943, Singapore, the jewel of Asia, the British had it. They considered it virtually impregnable. It it was made to be a a defensive fort. The Japanese came for it, and Winston Churchill calls this the biggest disaster in British history, the biggest, uh, biggest military disaster in British history. This is a a way oversimplified way to put this, but Britain did have 80,000 men there versus 35,000 Japanese who came storming into it, and the British commander surrenders. (laughs) It's not 
it, it really wasn't their finest hour. I actually like the Brits, and their military history is really, really cool. So I'm not going to be too hard on them. What, Chris? No, I no, I didn't say there was no fight, but there wasn't there wasn't much of a fight. And I oversimplified it. War, especially in modern technology, is much more than numbers. They also didn't have other critical things. They just the tr- the truth is this. You remember that long talk we had yesterday about the Mar- American military, and at this time, America 2020, this military, our current military, the commander of U.S. Special Operations, talking about diversity and how important that is. Nations get awfully cocky about who they are because of who they've been. And nations tend to, sometimes on race, sometimes on religion, sometimes on culture, it's, it's perfectly natural, it's human nature, nations tend to look down on other nations, especially other cultures, other skin colors, other religions. That is not that absurd anti-American, anti-white thing I'm trying to say. I'm saying everybody's like that. All of us. All of us are like that. Everybody has some sort of prejudice inside of them. You learn which ones you can be vocal about and which ones you can't. But everybody has some. It's not, it does not make you a bad person. You have to control your negative impulses like you have to control every negative impulse. I want to strangle Chris. I don't. The truth is, though, Britain thought that they were king dog. They thought that what they had over there was good enough and... They didn't respect the Japanese. They're Japanese. What are these tiny Asians going to do to us, the mighty British? And again, that's not me dumping on the British. The Japanese were just as bad, if not worse. Soft white men. Ah, these Americans are pasty and soft. Everybody views their culture as superior, their own tribe, whatever that may be, culture, religion, whatever it may be, as superior, and everyone else's as inferior. Well... The thing is, though, Britain's military in this area, like ours today, wasn't filled with their best, wasn't focused on the right things. In the meantime, the Japanese had been practicing lopping off the heads of people on Chinese prisoners for quite some time now. These were all hardened combat vets, hardened combat units, and they were prepared, and as you well know, they would die for it. So the Japanese come storming in, Jewel of Asia goes down. An international disgrace. Britain is embarrassed beyond belief, and not only does Japan take it, do me a favor, we'll do this together, walk with me here, pull up Singapore on a map, because I think most people don't even know where Singapore is specifically where it is. I know you know in general where it is. Do you see that? Do you see where that is? The location-wise? Do you think that might be in a really, really, really important shipping area? Do you think that might be important economically? It is hugely important. To this day, it's hugely important, let alone back then. Very important place. So Japan doesn't just come slap around the British... Japan's moving in. This area has resources they want. 
They're still wanting to threaten Australia. Contrary to popular belief, there was not a serious Japanese plan to invade Australia. It was too big. That was they just there was not a plan there. But they wanted to threaten it. They wanted everyone to think that way. Japan is here to stay. Period. Well, the issue here for the Brits is they only have so much in resources. Every nation is limited in resources. It's easy for, for us to get confused when we look at huge conflict. World War II is a great conflict to look at just for this reason. It's easy to look at something and think to yourself, well, why didn't we just send aircraft carriers there? Ooh, we need some aircraft carriers over here. Uh, ooh, can we get an aircraft carrier here? And, and we need 10,000 troops here and 20,000 troops. There are only so many of these things, no matter how big you are. In the early parts of this war, we had four aircraft carriers, period, in this part of the world. And, they were, and you could have your aircraft carrier sunk by a couple bombs, and you're finished. L- resources are limited. Britain cannot focus on fighting Germany and get clear across the world and fight for Singapore. Not in a major way, but they can do it in more of a guerrilla force way. And that has to be quite a moment, doesn't it? When you go from being the king dog to realizing you have to be an insurgent guerrilla force. Does that sound familiar to you? It should, because we're going to talk about how that applies to you today. You specifically and I. It does. But Britain has gone from being King Dog to being a guerrilla force. They decide we need to set up some kind of awesome special operations thing. And Britain and Australia are essentially one. I'm not going to go into all the politics of it, but they're one. And Australia sets up the SOA, Special Operations Australia. It had Brits and Aussies in there. And there was a dude a stud who had actually escaped Singapore. His name was Ivan Lyon. Fascinating guy. There's got to, I know his last name's Lyon, Chris. How cool is that? It's actually L-Y-O-N. And I can't tell you how disappointed I was when I looked him up and found out that was the spelling. <laughs> they have a plan. Their plan is this. Let's get a group of highly, highly, highly trained dudes Make sure they're the baddest guys on earth. Let's send them back into Asia and let's have them just wreak havoc on the Japanese, blow up supply lines, assassinate people, kidnap people, just make their life miserable. You know what I'm talking about? An insurgent guerrilla force operating the same way they do. And they began training and they began recruiting. They find a group of men, 14 of them. They bring them all to a place they called Camp X. And I would love to have had, I'd love if there was video, I'm sure there's nothing like that, of the training at this camp. It was essentially these 14 dudes living together, working out like demons and training all day, every day. Explosives, hand-to-hand combat, physical fitness, just turning themselves into the guys you watch movies about. In fact, they should make a movie about this whole story by the time it's done, but they're training for a specific mission, and it is not a safe one. I will tell you what that mission is in just a second. 
No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. And um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. How should you handle leftism at your workplace? Apparently, more than one of you are struggling with that. We'll go over that. But let's try to wrap this up. I'm going to try. I'm going to wrap. You know what? I'm wrapping this up. This segment, Chris. That's what we're doing. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to focus, laser focus, on the task at hand. (laughs) It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. All right, these highly trained dudes, they're ready to rock and roll. And here's their plan. They're going to take a ship, a Kafuku Maru ship. I don't expect you at all to know what that is. If you want to know what specific ship I'm talking about, you can Google image search right now, Mighty Crate, Crate with a K, K-R-A-I-T, Mighty Crate. I bet you'll see, I, I bet you there's a picture of it out there, although I didn't actually Google it. Hopefully that does not pull up anything inappropriate because I didn't I didn't look that up first. Chris, are the images clean and everything? Okay. Uh, oh, it's Power Rangers? <laughs> well, look, in hindsight, I wish I'd, oh yeah, do, do, uh, do the Mighty Crate ship. That'll work. Mighty Crate ship. There. That's what it is. Their plan is to hop on one of these and cruise into the Singapore Harbor. Not necessarily in this ship. I'll go over that in a minute. Cruise into the harbor, take these gigantic timed mines, and stick these mines onto ships, onto important ships, naval ships, cargo ships. Cruise out of the harbor, blow them up. Have the Japanese freaking out, Japanese thinking there's this huge guerrilla force inside. That is the plan. That is the plan. Now, the danger of this is unique. And this is what I mean by unique. These men who go behind enemy lines are special men anyway. Obviously, highly trained, super tough, especially they're they're awesome. But it's one thing to go behind enemy lines and risk getting shot. Maybe even risk getting captured and executed. That's that's always a risk because they'll consider you a spy. You know these these, and I'm not obviously discounting the bravery of all that. That's extreme. We now are in 1943, where the American troops, the British troops, the Australian troops, all the allies very well know 
what's going to happen to you if the Japanese get their hands on you? And it's not that you're going to die. It's that you're going to pray you die. They're committing atrocities, well, like we've talked about before. They had what was called, an American ambassador called it, they had modern technology and a 2,000-year-old mentality. When you're captured in war, you're a plaything for them. The American troops really, really experienced this, and there were guys who were, I'm not going to go into detail here, but there were guys who were messed up for life over, over the things they saw their buddies had gone through after they'd been captured. There's a, there's a couple stories on Iwo Jima of a couple guys getting captured and pulled into those Iwo Jima caves, and the Japanese, for no reason whatsoever, combat's going on. It, it pays you to just kill them and go on. The Japanese kept them alive for two days, breaking out their teeth and their bones and carving out parts of their bodies. It, it, it's really, really bad. These guys are going into an entire area. It's not like they're sneaking just to the border. They are going into the heart of what is then the Japanese Empire with no backup. There is nobody coming to save you. They're not going to get picked up by Hilo at the end of this. They're going to take this boat across a lot of ocean into the heart of the Singapore Harbor and blow stuff up. They even dye their skin for the trip. How cool is that? So they dye their skin. They put on the local attire and they take off. And they're sailing through straits. And they're having to, one, control this boat, the mighty crate, which is full of explosives and other materials. Remember, it's heavy. Heavy boats can be very, very difficult to maneuver, especially on the water. At the same time, they're trying to avoid the Japanese Navy. They're worried about Japanese air patrols. At any moment, a Japanese plane could come over and say that ship is out of place and send somebody down, and they're dead. They don't have the ability to fight somebody off. They're dead. And they're trying to avoid, and this is proving to be a huge pain, Japanese or, or shipping, local shipping, Japanese shipping, just regular civilian shipping. They can report you just as easily as anyone else and will. Small fishing vessels, they just are having to avoid all this. But they cruise, they cruise, they cruise. They park their boat at an island close to Singapore Harbor. They then get in these canoes. They get off on the island, they get in these canoes, and they send the boat away. The plan is for the boat to come back at a specific day and pick them up. They get in these canoes, they cruise on over, and they recon the port. And this is a fascinating part about these operations back then. You picture special operations today. We watch the movies, and what are you looking at? Satellite images and some guy standing in front of a a whiteboard with a stick in his hand. And as you see, we have a bunker here, and there's definitely an outpost there. These guys had no idea what was there. None. Maybe you get a secondhand report from a spy, but they had to go recon the whole place. They get their targets, two men to a canoe. They canoe into Singapore Harbor, full of the Japanese Navy, full of a million people who report them in the middle of the night. What kind of bravery does that take? In the middle of the night, and I I just laid out for you what's going to happen to them 
if they get caught. It's not pleasant. Save the last one for yourself, as the old saying goes, because you don't want to get caught. They pull it off. They plant their minds. They, they canoe around, plant their minds, take off from here, get back to the island after they stay. Two of the three canoes stay, and they witness the explosions. They've got ships going down. The Japanese are freaking out, absolutely freaking out. They're turning on all the lights to the city. Apparently, there was a really ugly purge of the civilians who were still in Singapore because there was a civilian resistance that had risen up against the Japanese, and they just they had they really, really murdered a lot of those people. That's what they would do. Our guys get clear back to the island on the day they're supposed to see the crate, only they get back at night, and the crate's not there. And they think to themselves, Oh, no, we we lost it. They wake up the next morning, and they see the crate sailing away. The crate hadn't seen them. They hadn't seen the crate, but it was there. It took off. But to their credit, crate turns around, comes and gets them, brings them back home. Every man lived. It's called Operation Jaywick. But stories don't always end happy. You see, after Operation Jaywick, word gets around that this whole infiltrating the Singapore Harbor thing can be done. And Alan or Ivan Lyon, after putting together this mission and, and kicking butt like this, puts together another, another mission to go invade Singapore Harbor again. It was called Operation Ramau. And he has highly trained dudes again and explosives and even better technology this time and Everything's everything's fine, and it's going to work out just fine again, except, except not a single one of them came home alive. Sometimes, and this could be hard for us to accept, sometimes things don't end the way you want. It doesn't always end like the movies. Sometimes elections don't end the way you want. Life don't end that way. But we keep marching on. All right. Mac and cheese time and other things. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We'll talk about handling leftists at work. What's the smart thing? What's the right thing for you to do here in just a moment? But I've had a thousand Ask Dr. Jesse questions this morning about Nancy Pelosi, Eric Swalwell, and what she said yesterday. Let me just do a brief setup here. Eric Swalwell, as everybody remembers... He's the guy who ran for president for five minutes and then farted on national television and it all flamed out and nothing worked. Not the fart flamed out. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak to that. But the presidential campaign certainly did flame out. He gets busted because some Chinese spy aided his rise in several ways, apparently, and placed an intern in his office. He's on the House Intelligence Committee. At the Look, my own immaturity is not going to stop me from letting you know. It is a very, very, very big deal. Not, not just what she may have found out, but that, that China's that aggressive. I mean, that's a pretty in-your-face move. That is a very, that's a war footing move. Everybody spies on everyone. We all spy on our enemies. We all spy on our friends all the time. Believe me, they do. I'm going to tell you something, and people are going to get mad, and I don't care because everyone who knows will tell you this is the truth. Israel spies on everyone, everybody, their friends, their enemies, everybody. We, America, we spy on everyone. We have the largest intelligence service in the world. Everybody. Everyone. So I... That happens. You start placing spies in the office of a congress of a congressman on the House Intel Committee. That's taking it to a new level. It's one thing. Oh, we picked up a conversation on a bug in his hotel room. That's not the same. It's a big. It is a big deal. Nancy Pelosi was asked about this yesterday, and people freaked out at her response. But I want you to listen, and I want you to do. I want you to do something that will aid you the rest of your life. I want you to listen like me. I want you to listen to her, and figure out before I tell you why this is brilliant and why she's so brilliant. Was over. You know that was the end of any communication with those people. So it isn't. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I, mean, I think we should make sure that everybody knows what they are being subjected to. Uh, But I don't know that it means that we have to black background checks for every intern who comes into the Capitol. I I do think uh, that it's unfortunate that Mr. McCarthy is trying to make an issue of this when his leader, we all found out at the same time, the Republican leadership and that that, that several members had been approached. Hmm? Were you briefed on this? We, We were all, at the same moment, the House... Republican and Democratic leaders and the uh, leadership of the committee were briefed at the same moment. Make sure you know that because he keeps going around saying, when did they know? We knew when they knew. And at that time, that was the end of it. But you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to deflect attention from the fact 
that he has QAnon in his uh, his delegation over there, uh, and that I think is a danger uh, to in, in uh, terms of our debate here about uh, you know what what the possibilities are for an undue influence. That was about a minute. How much of that time did Nancy Pelosi spend defending herself? And how much of that time did she spend attacking someone else? This becomes a problem for people on the right. It may become a problem for you. Nevertheless, remember, I'm not your mommy. I'm your daddy. And I'm telling you how this is. You are going to have to change your mentality about some things. People on the right... For whatever reason, you can say because they're a more religious bunch, a different way of thinking. People on the right feel an obligation to answer the question that is asked. They do. They feel an obligation to answer the question that is asked, one. And two, they do not feel as comfortable attacking someone else as people on the left do. Remember, it's the left's religion. Their religion is attacking you, so they'll do it all day long. For you, a more Judeo-Christian-valued right, that feels wrong. It feels immoral. And I am not here to tell you and never will tell you what God thinks is right and wrong. I'm telling you right now, the way you operate with the media The way you operate with political scandal is exactly the way Nancy Pelosi does. She might be the most unlikable politician in the history of mankind, and yet she's risen to the highest levels of power and stayed there. And she constantly steers her party in the right direction. Why? Nancy Pelosi never spends 30 seconds playing defense, ever. It is in your face. You're the problem. They're the problem. Oh, I didn't get busted in a salon without a mask on. I was set up. This is a setup. We need to get down to the bo- we need to get to the bottom of who set me up. Did you set me up, scumbag reporter? I bet you did. This was a setup. Anyway, thank you everybody. That's how you handle your business. Hang on, I'll keep going. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Ah, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Shoes. Go. Put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off.
Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.